You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. All right. Well, good morning, Trace. How are we feeling this morning? I need you guys to be extra loud for me today. Obviously, there's a bunch of sissy Coloradans out there that wouldn't face the weather, but you did, which makes you better Christians, just so you know. It's in the Bible. Some something. Um, so seriously, great to have each and every one of you here today, especially if this is your first time here. I want to say thanks. Thanks for being here and being a part of this. We also know that many people will be watching this online or listening at a later date. And so thanks for tuning in and being a part of this conversation. If you weren't here uh, this last Sunday, I would encourage you to get on our YouTube page at some point this week and watch Dr. Trent's message because it set up a fast that we all started together this past Wednesday. And the specific fast that we're doing is what's called a Screen fast. And so we decided, and this is kind of ironic that I'm using a screen to preach from, but uh, we decided that we were going to do our best. We know that we can't do this completely because some of us need screens for work and so forth, but we were going to do our best to get rid of screens for two weeks. And we started this this last Wednesday. And if you haven't jumped in on this or you're just hearing this for the first time, it's not too late to jump in on this with us. And maybe you're new to fasting altogether. And if that happens to be you, I'll give you kind of the quick flyover of why we do this. Typically, you fast from something, you give up something that you're going to want to desire. People typically would fast from food, but you can really fast from anything. And so there's no doubt in our minds that we depend on these guys more than we think that we do. And so every time we have a desire, it's like, hey, let me pick up my phone and let me check what's on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Instead of doing that, let's seek out our heavenly father. And it's the desire to want to go to something that reminds you instead of going to that, I want to pray. And I want to invite God to show up in deeper ways in my life, maybe in, in a specific area. Now, I don't know if you've started this with us, and hopefully you have this past Wednesday. I don't know what you've been seeking God about, but one of the things that definitely has been troubling me uh, this past week is the turmoil that we see unfolding in our country. And I don't need to convince you of that if you've been watching any news at all, which you shouldn't be because you're supposed to be fasting from screens. But if you've been watching or hearing any news at all, you know that our country is in utter turmoil. And here's my prayer, and we're going to pray for this together here in just a moment. My hope that if anything out of this chaos, out of this turmoil, that it would turn people's attention to God and not a politician that we would finally start to see that if we continue to pursue a politician or look to a politician for answers, we are always going, it's always going to lead us down a path towards despair. And instead of looking to a politician, we should be looking to the power of God. And so my hope is that if anything comes out of the chaos that we see happening in front of us, it would be that more people would finally realize, man, I need to stop putting so much investment in politics and instead turn it to the power of God. Now, I said this back in November, and we're going to do this today, regardless of who you voted for or didn't vote for, or who you hate or who you don't hate. Hopefully, you wouldn't use those strong of words, but I know some people do. We're going to pray for President-elect Biden. I told you whoever gets elected, we're going to pray for them. And so I want to pray for them more than anything. I'm going to pray that they would have uh, godly counsel around them. Uh, but once again, we're not looking to any politician to show us the path towards the power of God. We have Jesus for that. So uh, if you would join me in praying for that, and then we'll dive into my message. God, I do pray, we do pray, that even in the midst of all the chaos, even in the midst of all the tension that is wrapped up in turmoil that we see unfolding in front of us, God, I pray that you would use this moment, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, I pray you would use this moment to help people to turn their attention away from politics as much as they've been maybe, maybe too fixated on politics and instead turn to the power of you. God, I pray that this would be an opportunity for the church to remind people 
that they need to stop putting their trust in politicians and instead put their trust in Jesus. So God, if you could use our voice in that, God, we're inviting you to do that. And so God, we also pray for President-elect Biden as all this transition happens, God, that you would put wise, godly counsel around him. And Lord, again, we're not looking to him to necessarily point us to Jesus in any way, but God, I do know that you can place certain people in his life that would cause him to rethink and to think differently about things that he does as this country's leader. And so God, I pray that you would do that. We pray that you would do that. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today we're continuing in a series called Let's Talk, and I want to give you a heads up on something. I was planning on talking about the subject of sex today, but we decided to put that on the shelf because we have a relationship series coming up in February that we thought, man, that's going to fit a lot better there. And so instead, in its place, I want to talk to us today about the subject of salvation. And the way that I want to kick our conversation off would go like this. If you've been around Trace for any amount of time, you know that I've used language like this a lot to where um, I talk to us about and I remind us and I even warn us that we will all have a tendency, a natural tendency in our lives to drift away from God, right? Drift happens. I preached a whole message on that many months ago, but drift happens. And because drift happens, we need to be prepared for that. We need to have within us a fight, like we want to fight this natural tendency in our lives to drift away from God because none of us will naturally drift towards God, which is why a lot of times when I'm preaching, you will hear me use this specific word in my sermons a lot, and that's the word intentional. Because if we're going to stay in that fight, if we're going to fight against the natural tendency to drift, it's going to take a plan. And in order for us to follow through on that plan, it will take a lot of intentionality on our part. Now, if I were to give you an overall assessment, if I were to give you an overall observation of what I see happening to the church in America, I would say, to a great extent, it is drifting. And we could use a lot of excuses or point to a lot of things of why the church, I mean, specifically churches, and then Christians who obviously make up the Big C Church, they're drifting. And maybe that has to do with specific decisions we make. I mean, I think that's a common sense reality that we understand. Like the decisions that we make in life will cause us to drift away from God. But I also see that there's this kind of collective determination for people to be so experienced rich, right? And I, I, if you're you know, in your 20s, maybe even younger 30s, I would caution you on this, maybe even more than others, where it's like you want to be so experienced rich. And maybe you've gotten caught up in kind of the FOMO culture where you're seeing what everybody else is doing on social media. So it's like, man, I don't want to miss out. I want to have those experiences too. So I want to do as much as I possibly can and experience as much as I possibly can. But in the process of doing that, oftentimes unintentionally, you're putting your faith, you're putting God in the back seat. Drift happens. We all have a tendency to drift. And one of the things that we may have forgotten is that when we signed up for this, when we signed up and we said, you know what? I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he's the leader and Lord of my life. We were also signing up for his mission. And his mission was for us to go out and share the gospel of the good news of the grace of God with as many people as possible. We both share it, and maybe even more importantly, we're supposed to show it. And all any of us have, listen to me, all any of us have is just a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity to use our little bit of influence to leverage people in the direction of Jesus. 
And let me remind you of what James, the brother of Jesus said. He said, your life, your life is like a mist. It's here one day and it's gone the next. And you know what that means? It means that our little bit of time and our little bit of opportunity will be gone before you know it. And so one of my main hopes for our time today in this particular sermon is to put some urgency back into your life and to remind you of a truth that some of us, if we were to be honest, have drifted away from. And we find that in Acts chapter four, that salvation is found in no one else, that there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And of course, we know that Luke is talking about Jesus. There is no other name under heaven in which we can be saved. And I'm going to ask them just to leave that verse up there for just a bit. Now, let me take a time out really quick. If you're here this morning and you're new to all of this, if you're here this morning and you're kind of new to church, you're new to Christianity, you're new to the conversation around Jesus, here's what I want you to know. What I'm about to say, and primarily what this sermon, who this sermon is intended for, is followers of Jesus. And so if you happen to be in here today and you're like, man, I'm still kind of checking out all of this, I'm not sure about all of this, I want to let you know that this is a place where you can do that. Like we've intentionally created a culture here and we, we say that this is a place where you can belong before you believe because we want to give you an opportunity to come in here and wrestle with real doubts. I don't think the church has done a good job of that historically. Like if you have real doubts, we want you to stop pretending that you don't have those. And we want this to be a place where you can wrestle with God over those and bring them to the table and, and ask them. This is a place where you can stop pretending. By no means do we want anybody to be somebody that they're not when they walk in here. Let's start with a foundation of truth, right? And so if that's you, then I want to let you know that we know that you're in here and we want to give you that opportunity. Now, again, primarily this message, primarily this message is for people who have already chosen to follow Jesus. So if that's you, let me ask you a question. Does this verse burden you? Now, <laughs> maybe I should preface it with this. You know me, guys, you know me. I'm not here to heap guilt on anyone. That's never my agenda, ever. But does this verse burden you? because it should. So maybe I can ask the question this way. When was the last time that this sentiment, maybe not you didn't quote the verse, but when was the last time that you shared the truth that is represented in this verse with someone else? Because as a follower of Jesus, listen to me, it's fundamental. Maybe I could put it in this context. Maybe you've been around somebody at some point in time. I know I have as a preacher. I've maybe put in these scenarios more than you are, but where somebody says, you know what, I think all paths lead to God, or I think there are several ways that you can get to God. And of course, if this verse is true, then that's not true. And so do you silently just kind of sit by and allow people to continue on with life with that understanding, without speaking up about the very core belief that you hold to as a Christian? Maybe you've heard it this way before. Again, I have as a preacher where somebody says maybe they've lost a loved one in their life. Maybe they lost you know, a husband or a wife or son or daughter or friend and they're, heart, you know, they're heartbroken over it. They've got so much heartache over the loss of this loved one in their life. And so they ask you because you're a Christian and they think you may have some clarity on the subject and they say, hey, do you think my loved one is in heaven? Do you follow up with a question? Or do you just give them the answer they want to hear? Yeah, yeah, you know, I bet they are. Because a question really should follow that question, which is, did they know Jesus? Did they know Jesus? 
Because as hard as it might be to hear, and I know it's hard to hear, the only way that they can be in heaven is if they knew Jesus. More specifically, if they invited Jesus to be the leader and Lord of their life. Drift happens to the best of us. It happens. And maybe I could illustrate it this way. I have before in the past. What happens oftentimes is if we're not careful and we don't fight the tendency to naturally drift away from God, we get caught up in what I've called oftentimes the current of culture. And the main stream of that current is the path of popular opinion. And so what happens is the more that this particular opinion, you can say whatever that opinion could be, there's several, but the more that this opinion becomes popular, specifically in America, the easier it is for us to potentially negate a truth that we know to be true, that's founded and easily, like clearly seen in the word of God, but we negate that because it's so easy just to go with the flow of the path of popular opinion, the current of culture. And we drift. And where sometimes we know we should probably speak up, we're silent. And what happens is as we begin to drift, there's a seed of passivity that begins to grow inside of us. And we don't see it because it happens ever so slowly. And before we know it, we're allowing lies about the church and about Jesus and about God to be said in our presence without ever even challenging them. Maybe you would blame it on the cancel culture, right? So many of us have experienced that. It's kind of been this new phenomenon that's happened in 2020 specifically where, man, nobody wants to say anything anymore because if you say something or say the wrong thing, somebody's going to be offended. And I need to let you know that there's a sermon brewing inside this right here right now where I want to just challenge that because choose to not be offended. I think that's where you need to start as a human being. Choose not to be offended. Don't be waiting to be offended because if you're waiting to be offended, you will be offended. Choose not to be offended. I'm preaching. I need to Settle down a little bit. I promise you there's a sermon coming on that, but I need to sideline that for now. But choose not to be offended. But what, what's happened in this, this cancel culture is that I think sometimes, especially if there's already a seed of passivity growing inside of us, well, if I'm just silent, at least I'll keep the peace. Like, I don't want to add any more unnecessary tension to a conversation. I don't want to potentially say the wrong thing. If you don't know this, can I tell you this? The gospel of Jesus is offensive, which means you don't have to be. When you truly look at somebody and say that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, that there is no one else, no other name under heaven where you could be saved, that in and of itself can be offensive. So you can deliver that with as much grace and love as possible. But to not speak up because you're afraid of offending somebody? Salvation. Let me say it this way. Salvation, no matter who it offends, should never be silenced. And especially if we've signed up for this, right? I mean, if we've committed our life to being lifelong followers of Jesus, we've committed to a declaration that he is the only way. And so when we silence that or we become passive about that, we miss our greatest purpose. Let me say it this way. If we become passive with truth of the, the truth of salvation, we have missed our greatest purpose and we have missed our greatest calling. 
In Romans chapter 12, Paul actually says, he says, hey, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I could say it this way. Hey, don't get caught up in the current of the culture. Could he be speaking specifically to you today? Just give it a second. Let it sit. Could he specifically be challenging you with that very statement today? And guys, I get it. Listen, it's, it's always going to be easier to be silent. And, and I get the sentiment where it's like, well, hey, at least if I'm silent, like I'm, I'm not going to cause unnecessary pain or, or misfortune or something in somebody else's life. But what, a lot of times what we don't understand and what we fail to see is the harm that we can actually even cause in our silence. I've, ca- I've called this silent affirmation in the past, right? When somebody says something that you know not to be true, whether they say all paths lead to God or something like that, and you just stay silent, what you don't know that you're doing sometimes is you're actually affirming them in your silence, causing them to walk away from that conversation, believing that you are in agreement with them. So if that's ever been you, and my guess it is it has, I think all of us, again, most of us are like the rest of us. So I think all of us have probably been in one of those situations or conversations where we knew we should have spoken up, but we couldn't and we didn't. And so I want to give you an out. And if there's a takeaway, maybe this could be your takeaway today. Anytime that you're in a conversation, in a situation where something has, is brought up that completely negates a truth of God, especially if it's around the subject of salvation. I want to give you one statement that I promise you will pay dividends in your life if you will prepare to say, because I really do believe that if you're going to speak up in the future, you need to make that choice now. If you're going to be prepared to speak up in the future, you're going to have to think through that now, that you're going to have to be ready to be bold now so that you can prepare yourself for that. But here's the statement. When somebody says something and you know that it's completely off base, especially to the core tenets of what you believe as a follower of Jesus, here's what you say. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I agree with that. Now, you can leave it to them if they want to have deeper dialogue on the subject, but at least you have spoken up. At least you have said something. So when somebody says something, be ready to at least say, you know what, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I would agree with that. So to practice, let's look at the person beside you right now and say, I'm not sure I agree with that. Go for it. Look at the person beside you. I'm not sure I agree with that. Now say it again and end that phrase with the word outfit. Try it. Oh yeah, there it is. That is yeah. Jesus couldn't have made it clear. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I think he'd be okay if I inserted another word. I am the only way. I'm the only truth. And I'm the only life. And no one's going to get to the Father except through me. You see, as followers of Jesus, we made a declaration in our life. Some of you actually made it here at Trace over in those waters of baptism where you said, I believe, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and I take him now as my personal Lord and Savior. But you would be mistaken if you ever thought that that declaration was a one-time declaration. It is a lifelong declaration where we, in every opportunity that God gives us, that we are able to speak up about the most important thing in our, in our life. Yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and I take him as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe he's my personal Lord and Savior. It's a lifelong declaration. Now, I want to speak to a sentiment that I feel like is shared by probably more people than what they would like to admit. 
And it comes on the other side of a lie that the enemy, I think, has done really well with. And it's the lie that, hey, Aaron or whoever else in this room, who are you? Who are you to go tell somebody else that the only way that they can be forgiven, the only way that they could ever get to the Father, the only way that they could be saved, the only way that their salvation could be secured and they'll be in heaven one day is through Jesus. Who are you to tell them that? I mean, you know what's in your closet. You know what's in your rearview mirror. Who are you? Guys, I think one of the greatest lies of the enemy is to sideline you with this idea or with this sentiment, hey, you can share that later, but you better get your own life figured out first. Where I have learned, believe me, there's enough crap in my closet where I think I could say this with conviction, and that is, man, I'm trying to figure this out, and I need the grace of God every single day. I hope everyone in here knows this. Even on your best day, you need the grace of God in your life, but we're all figuring this out. We're all a broken mess. We're all a work in progress, and so often, sometimes, we lead with our beliefs when I think it's better to lead with your brokenness. Feel free to expose. Now it's up to you how much you want to expose, but feel free to expose however much you feel like you need to expose as you're allowing people to see that, man, I need, excuse me, I need the grace of God in my life. I'm a broken mess. I got crap in my closet I'm trying to still deal with. But the grace of Jesus meets me there every day. And I'm trying to figure it out. And I need his help, and I can't possibly imagine trying to walk through this life without him. That's your declaration. So, have you drifted? Because it happens. Is God calling you to be more bold with what you already know? Is it time that you stop being silent and you prepare to speak up? One of the reasons why I think John 3.16 is probably the most popular Bible passage in the entire Bible is because of how clear it is and the fact that it points to hope. But I think we miss a whole lot about what's being said in this context when we also don't read John 3.17 and 3.18. Because to really appreciate John 3.16, you need to know 3.17 and 3.18. So let me read it all for you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Right now, you and I both have people that we, love and tr- that we love and we appreciate, that we love and know, that stand condemned. We don't like to talk about that. But if we believe that entire passage, we know it to be true. Right now, there are people in your life and in my life that we both know and love that stand condemned. And listen to me, that should bother you. More importantly, that should burden you. And if it doesn't, my hope today is that I could get in your face a little bit and at least allow you to wrestle with your reality, with the fact, you know what, it doesn't, I know it should, but it doesn't burden me. Listen, I'll be the first to admit that it's easy to lose that burden. As a pastor, I lose that burden, (laughs) which is why when you come down the stairs of our offices, you'll see this sticker up on the wall because I need to be reminded every, every day 
I lose sight of what's most important for the sake of urgent, right? We get, oftentimes we have so many urgent things in front of us to take care of. I got to return that phone call, return those emails, whatever it may be. And we lose sight of what's most important for the urgent. And so we're like a football team oftentimes, if you can put that picture back up there, we'll walk down the stairs. And as we walk down the stairs, you'll hear a bunch of slaps on the wall, slap. And just that impact hopefully signals something in our minds where it's like, this is what you're here for. Don't lose it. Don't lose the burden. Because without Jesus, without us leveraging our little bit of time and our little bit of opportunity, there are people that we know and love that will not be in heaven with us one day. And that should burden you. And I hope it does burden you. Let me read to you one more passage that I think just brings salvation to the forefront of the conversation and makes it incredibly clear. In Romans chapter 10, when Paul's writing to the church in Rome, he says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced, Jew and Gentile. In a more contextual way for us to understand that black, white, Asian, whatever, you keep filling in the blank. There is no racism in God's economy, period. Anybody. Jew and Gentile, all are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, but how can they call on him? Don't miss this. This is so huge for us today. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone? Everybody say someone. Not a pastor. Not a priest. Not a rabbi. Not even Jesus. Someone. And how can they hear about him unless someone? tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Trace, don't lose the burden. More importantly, be the someone. Be the someone. Be the someone that somebody else needs right now. And I've done this long enough up till now. And this is why I share the junk in my past so much with you is because if God can use this someone, I promise you, he can use you to be the someone that somebody else desperately needs right now to point them to Jesus. Our greatest motivation here at Trace, we talk about this a lot, our greatest motivation here at Trace is to remove every obstacle to get people to Jesus, our greatest motivation. What if that became your greatest motivation? What if that became the greatest motivation of your life? That the greatest motivation of my life will be to remove obstacles so I can get people to Jesus. And let's take that a step further. What could be a greater obstacle or what could, what could be a greater issue than people not knowing that they actually need Jesus to be secured for their salvation in heaven? What if our lives, the greatest motivation of our lives was to remove obstacles so people could get to Jesus? That would be a life worth living. That would be a life that would leave something that's lasting. I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to start landing this plane, but 
from the very onset of this church, uh, we decided that there were going to be two primary filters in which we looked at everything that we did as a church. Two primary filters that we said, man, these two things are going to be the primary things that we focus on in everything that we do. You saw these two things when you walked in the church this morning. They're the subjects of truth and grace. It's our namesake. It's where we get our name, trace, truth, and grace. And one of the things that you'll observe if you spend any amount of time looking at the church or even historically going back and looking at church history is that the church has always erred on the side of one or the other. The church has typically erred on the side of truth or grace. And when they err on the side of truth, what happens is they are so quick to condemn people for their mistakes that they don't even give people an opportunity to receive or even to learn about the grace of God. That's a travesty in the church. But sometimes churches lean so much and err on the side of grace that they're just so loving and compassionate, which is a good thing, but they're so loving and compassionate that they never get to the truth of God, oftentimes allowing people or giving people, I should say, permission to keep sinning. That's a travesty for the church. The church was always called to be full of both grace and and truth. And so that our pursuit here at Trace is to be full of both of those. Now I'm taking us somewhere, but before I get there, I'd love to ask you a question. Like how many of you would admit that you came from a church that erred on the side of truth? How many would say that? That erred on the side of truth. Okay. How many would say that you came from a church that erred on the side of grace? Anybody? Yeah. Usually it's more truth. Now we also do this as individuals, (laughs) all of us, none of us completely represent the fullness of grace and truth. All of us err on one side or the other. So really quick, crowd participation, let me, let me hear from you. How many would say that you err on the side of grace? Like personally, raise your hand, let me see you. This is a great conversation, by the way, with your spouse or friend or a small group later. How many would say you err on the side of truth? Okay, that's pretty balanced. I would say I probably err on the side of truth. And there might be a few people in here, the self-righteous ones, that would say, I feel like I represent a pretty good balance of both, Pastor Aaron. I think I'm doing a good job of this. So even you, if you say that, if that's you, and you say you represent a balance of both, you're still in error because balance has never been the goal. Balance has never been what we're supposed to be pursuing because you can be balanced in something and still represent low amounts of each. But Jesus said, no, no, no. It's about the fullness of both. Now I'm taking this somewhere, so stay with me. But let me read to you the passage where we get this from. In John's gospel, uh, chapter one, beginning in verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full, everybody say full, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. John just got kind of poetic on us there. Out of his fullness, fullness of what? Well, he just talked about what he was full of, grace and truth. So out of that fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And the way that we've learned to describe it here is this, the fullness of grace plus the fullness of truth, that's God's complete love. Like we like to talk about what God's love is. We like to sometimes even hijack what God's love is. But if you want to know what God's love is, it's the fullness of grace plus the fullness of truth. I could also say it this way. If you want the full gospel, not the watered down version of the gospel or not what is easy on people's ears, the fullness of the gospel is the fullness of grace plus the fullness of truth. Now, why do I take the time to bring all this up and what does it have to do with salvation? Church, I really do believe that when we pursue the fullness of both truth and grace, both of those, I believe our burden grows. 
I believe our burden for people who don't know God, I believe that burden grows. That's a good thing. When we have a deeper understanding for God's truth, we begin to understand why we, why we need Jesus so much and understand more fully why he is the only way to our Heavenly Father. When we begin to understand how amazing God's grace really is, we are reminded that Jesus died for everyone and there's no one who's too far gone to receive the grace of God. If you're waiting to say amen, there's a good opportunity. Don't lose the burden. So maybe you've drifted. It happens to the best of us. But today I want to challenge you to come out of that drift. Today I want to challenge you to be ready to speak up next time there's an opportunity. Today I want to challenge you to be more bold with the truth of salvation because somebody's life is on the line. So here's what I want to do. I think all of us have a step that we need to take in this direction. And so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to uh, transition into a time of response. And I've got four specific areas that I think every single person in this room can pick one of these four areas where you know, man, I need to lean. I need to take that step. I need to lean in that direction. So let me pray and then we'll enter into a time of response together. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for how clear you make salvation in your word. I can, I can only imagine if it were more ambiguous how much we would, how much we would be uh, just missing the mark and how much we would be even more drifting away from what it is you've called us to be and do. But God, you make it pretty, pretty clear. There is no other name under heaven in which we can be saved. That if we'll confess Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, that we will be saved. That he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is life, and that no one, no one of us, none of us will ever get to you unless we come through him. God, for those of us that have drifted, for those of us that have become too silent, I pray that you would show us how to speak up, that you would replace our passivity with passion for people who don't know you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.